Oh man, I just I get guys the drums get me every single time. Welcome back to our Champion Reads book club. Uh, I'm having a blast over here today with my full team in house, which is awesome. And I'm really excited to have today's conversations for a couple reasons. Of course, I'm excited to continue the conversations about the richest man in Babylon by Richard Clayson. And man, oh man, have I learned a lot just by but just by talking about finances, by talking about topics that are supposed to be fundamental, but yet, you know, they're not really common sense anymore. And I love that. And we've had the incredible direction by by Ian leading these conversations. So Ian, welcome to the uh, Champion Reads Book Club, as well as Lauren, who's added context and real life examples. So Lauren, thank you. And joining us today for the first time is our friend and colleague, uh, the amazing Mr. William Blake. Willie, glad you're here. And uh, we're super excited that you're joining us in the conversations today. As we sort of kick today's session off, I just wanted to share that this will be the last conversation for now. We might come back to it, but this will be the last conversation where we conduct surrounding the topic of the richest man in Babylon. But as we move into our next month, we are really excited to re bring up a new book, a book that I've never read. I think Ian's read it, um, but we're just going to be reviewing a book called The Speed of Trust. And we'll, uh, we'll get more into that a little bit later. Um, it's a great bestseller on the market. And we're looking forward to chatting more about conversation and, and creating relationships and so forth. Because here at Champion Circle, which is the sole provider <laughs> of, these, uh, of, these, of these sessions and these meetings, we are able to conduct conversation that leads to action. And that's mostly what we care about. And that's all really that, that matters to us is that these conversations, these book chapters, these discussions lead to an incredible feeling of opportunity, growth, and so much more. I mean, it's, it's not enough to just gain knowledge and listen. And if you're listening to us on your commute, if you're listening to us on your drive or just in passing while you cook dinner or whatever you do when you listen to podcasts, uh, we, we hope that you gain a lot of information that leads you to action. And if you've ever heard us over at the uh, Circle of Knowledge podcast, it's the exact same thing. All of this information should be obtained so that you can improve your life. And so we invite you to take action on those ideas and those thoughts. With that being said, Ian, Lauren, William, we're welcome. We're wel we welcome all of you, and we're excited to have this conversation. And uh, as this show continues to grow, um, let's 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 bring let's bring the fire. Um, we're wrapping up today's conversations on the topics, uh, well, which we'll get into in a second. But based on our favorite book here, and uh, I didn't have my presets ready, but I definitely wanted to share this right here. Give me two seconds. Boom. Okay, there it is. George, George S. Clayson's The Richest Man in Babylon, which tells a story of, of in, um, several people, but, in, uh, but back, in, uh, back in the days where no one lived. <laughs> and uh, uh, it talks about how somebody obtained their wealth and the lessons and the parables and the examples of how this, um, this can be applied today. And, you know, every conversation we've had it reminds me of just how important it is to develop a a healthy relationship with the topic and conversation over financial responsibility, because so many people don't. Um, finances can be an awkward subject. It can be really tough to cover with many people, but 
this has been really revealing for me as it's like, yeah, these are obvious statements. These are important principles, but they work. And, and we have ideas, resources, and counsel to give to anyone who wants to look into them further. But with that being said, let's kick today's meeting off. I'm going to pass it over to Ian. If you'd like to share anything regarding what, um, what we would like to talk about today. All right. Well, let's get some excitement here. I'm working on this part. Um, so paint you a picture. The army is out fighting a battle. While the army is in a faraway land, another army comes and attacks the city. So you've got a, a siege around the city. You've got battering rams going against it. You've got arrows shooting over the walls. And we're sitting here because we're old and frail and left behind by the army. We're inside the city. And every day we have to go up to the old watchkeeper and say, are we all going to die? <laughs> Is the wall going to collapse? Are they going to get through the walls? Um, what are we going to do here? You know, my children are young. My wife is sick. Can I survive? And the old watchman every day looks at us and says, these walls are strong. These walls will hold. And if I remember my history correctly, the walls of Babylon were about six stories high. And in the days before elevators, that was pretty high. And you could run two chariots across the top of that wall. So that wall was built really strong so that when the army was out and there was no defenses left and they were attacked, the walls would stand and they'd be protected. I don't think I got anyone's blood flowing, but I was trying to get the Braveheart vibe in there. <laughs> um, so what does that have to do with money? Um, do we have secure ways to protect our money? Um, We've talked about this before, you know, the, if you want to have money, you need to bring money in, have that money, create more money, and then don't lose your money. Um, so what can we do to protect the money we have? Um, what are the strong walls that we can use so that we don't lose everything we've put our money into? Uh, I... Open there. I love I love this conversation. And while you were saying that, I wanted to uh, bring up a another image. Why not? Because it's just it's fun to do so, right? And uh, this is the image I was looking at. Oh bummer! I need to convert it to a PDF. Never mind. I was going to bring up the actual picture of the walls inside Babylon yeah. and give you that image. I'll work on that in a minute. But you know, let's talk about that because <clears throat> there there are things that work and there are things that don't. I mean, we've talked about this in the last few weeks, which is if it smells like, looks like, tastes like, or even appears the image of get rich quick scheme based things, then it's probably an alarming alert for your internal system saying, yo, take a step back. Um, and I love that because it's a reminder that, you know, I, I openly admit that I have fallen into and have fallen guilty chasing riches and chasing, you know, opportunities is the word they use. Um, and I've lost a lot of money and I've lost a lot of time and it's, it's caused a lot of grief in my life to do stuff like that. But I'll tell you from my experience, just don't worry about that stuff. Focus on things that do hold, focus on things that have growth. Think you think of things that actually work. Um, 
you know, we, we've talked a lot about different examples of financial uh, advisors and gurus and people in this world. And, you know, there's a plethora and it's such a diverse variety of counsel and, and mentorship that you can get in this topic. But there is one thing that I stick to and it's number one is, is when you have cash in hand, cash is king because nothing, nothing beats cash. Now, when it comes to investments and growth and all that stuff, you know, there are very calculated and important things you can get involved in and get, and get, uh, um, and, and, and focus on. And that's where we really advise you to talk advisor, someone that you trust, you know, don't get swindled into somebody who's risky or somebody who, who talks, you know, pompously about, you know, what are the right ways to run, run your finances and so forth. Find someone you trust and typically someone who you'd like to emulate with your finances and growth. But I love this example in this parable, Ian, because again, it's, it's like these walls will hold. Well, you know, what are the securities that, that we can trust in financially to help us and to, to, to build wealth and grow? I, I love that. That's, there's, there's just great examples and thoughts there. But what most people would think isn't always the rightest answer. And by rightest, I mean like there's a good, better, best level here. You know, putting it into a savings account, that's good. Putting it into a checking account, that's good. But putting it into an account that grows when you're not touching it, that's better. That's 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 better. And sometimes the best vehicle are the vehicles that you had no idea about and you need some further education on. But either way, there's some important possible abilities to do so. I, I got to jump in with something you said earlier with a, a little bit of a uh, contrarian view. Um, cash is nice, but cash is not king. Um if you had $100 10 years ago, you've only, I don't know the math, but let's say you have probably have $70 now because cash gets smaller with inflation. Um, if you put your cash aside, it's going to be worth less in the future. Um, and if you literally put your cash aside, as in setting the bills somewhere else, um, if there's a fire, you're in trouble. You lose everything. There's no way to get back on it. So cash is good. Checking account is a little bit better. Um, savings account is a little better still because now you get some interest on it. Um, you know, a CD, if you, not the little discs, but um, in, in the banking term, um, we would jokingly call those certificate of depreciation mm. because typically they're worth less when you cash them in than when you actually took them out because of inflation. And the interest rate you earn is less than what the inflation rate is. And over the past year or two, our inflation rate has been extremely high. Um, but <clears throat> that part of it aside, um, when we're talking about security, you're right. Um, having cash, checking account, savings account, um, even a, a CD or something like that um, gives you some safety. It's going to be worth something. Um, if you invest it all in Bitcoin, who knows? If you invest it all in Beanie Babies, it may be worth nothing a few years later. Um, even stocks go up and down. Um, there's volatility. So the first level of safety is 
what can you kind of expect is going to happen? You're not going to lose a big chunk. Um, I always say I'm old. I'm much more concerned about losing money than I am about gaining money. Because <laughs> um, if I lose money, I'm in trouble. Um, so yeah, that first level is uh, let's put your money someplace that won't lose any money. Um, and first place is a savings account. <laughs> That's the, I won't give a lot of specific advice, but if you have nothing else, look at a savings account. Um, and then I'm going to bring up another one and kind of get your viewpoint on this. As you have a certain amount of money that you can save, that you have a, um, I'm sorry, that's a safe area, you know you're not going to lose money. What that does is allow you another section that you can afford to take a little bit more risk. Um, so if you have, I'm making up numbers here, 80% in a safe money market account that you're getting a, a good 6% interest rate on. Now maybe you can take the 20% and go after that get rich quick stock or Bitcoin or, or whatever, because you can afford to lose a little bit if you have a bigger protection somewhere else. Um, just like the story of the walls, they could afford to have the army leave because they have a strong wall to protect the city. So I don't, I'll leave that up to you, your thoughts on that one. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And I love teasing the contrarian and throwing in stuff because, you know, my favorite place to put, um, to put savings is, uh, under that, 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 um, cushion over his left shoulder. Um, there it is a great, it's a great little hiding space. No one finds it. Um, you know, it, it takes the weight. Well, <laughs> that's my favorite place to put it. No, no, no. You're absolutely right. I mean, there are good, better, best places to, to put your money in. And I love this discussion on, you know, risk tolerance, because again, like when you have money to play with, go for it. Um, I've played the two board games. If you guys have ever played Monopoly and if you've ever played the game of life, well, I'll start with Monopoly. I have found that when you when you invest it all and you go all in, you end up not finishing the game. In fact, you end up in jail, not being able to pay your bills and selling properties and stuff because you are in trouble. And I've seen that in real life. It's odd how a little board game is so reflective on choices and how that 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 ends up being the um, the outcome for many people in real life. Let's talk about the the, the board game life. When you go all in, all bet, all eggs in one basket, sometimes you gamble and you, you come out with a super high score, but it's very rare. It's very rare. And you lose a lot when you, when you invest in that. And so it, it's just, it's just vital to remember, like only use funds and cash when you have the ability to lose it. And you're okay with that. I think part of this is a, is an emotional discussion. Because when you have the ability to, I guess, throw out a few dollars and you're okay with the loss, then that's a good place to be in and to play with that. And let's just pretend like you're in a position right now where that isn't an option. And maybe what you are okay with is losing $10. Okay, great. Go ahead. Go uh, uh, If you're willing to lose $10 play with that because there are ways that $10 can lead to a hundred that can lead to a thousand that can lead to 10 grand and so forth. If you're okay with that, play with that. But if, if you're not willing to lose anything and you really can't like financially and responsibly, 
then really, really you know, focus on what is going to, what's going to hold, um, find the strengths in your walls and find places that, that will keep, keep these things really, really, you know, uh, um, standard and, 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 and planted what I say, what I say is grounded, right? It, it can't be moved. Um, and then work off of that because you need a, you need a starting place before you can exponentially grow. Um, nobody falls into, into wealth unless they get lucky and they, we've, we've talked about this, unless they get lucky and they win the lottery, which most people who win the lottery from a place of poverty are worse off after they win than they were before. Um, we've talked about that and that's just a statistic. It's just natural. It's just what happens. But if you can focus on things that are grounding and things that keep you centered, and then you can build off of that, then that's a good, smart place to begin. Um, those are just my thoughts. I'll have a few more in a minute, but I want to open up for anyone else who wants to add. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, time after time in this book, he gives the example of somebody who gambled everything they had and lost it all and then worked to recover it. Um, and one of the great lessons of that is a lot of times we can gamble a little bit more and we'll lose some and we have time to recover. We have time to make more, um, especially you guys that are younger than me have time to catch up, time to make a mistake and learn from it. Um, but um, I guess as you get older, you start to learn how much you can afford to gamble. What is the risk? And there's a great parable um, in this book where a man goes to the money lender um, asking him, because he came into a fortune, um, he designed a new spear tip for the king and the king gave him a, a prize for it. So he said, how can I invest this to make more money? And the money lender said, well, let me show you what I do. And he opened up this chest and in the chest were all sorts of things from a, a little piece of rope to great jewels. And he said, whenever someone comes to borrow money from me, I ask them for something in return as collateral. And if I don't know that person or trust that person, then I ask for something valuable like a jewel. So I know that if they don't pay it, I have something to get back my money. Um, and he said, now this one, and he pulls out like a little old piece of rope. It says, this person has been coming, borrowing money from me for you know, 20 years. And he always pays it back right when he says he is with the interest he says he does. So I don't need to ask for much for him. So this piece of rope is all the collateral I need because there's a trust buildup. And he brings out this you know, jeweled goblet and says, you know, this was a, a young person who wanted to expand his business, but he didn't really know what he was doing. So I asked for a big one and he's gone out of business now and has no money. And I now have this goblet. Um, so knowing how much we can afford to put into something. Um, what do we need? What level of trust in the investment do we need to have? What level of risk are we willing to do? Um, you know, John and Lauren are younger than me, so they're probably willing to risk a higher percentage um, to get a, an exciting return than I am because if I risk too much, I'm going to be living in the refrigerator box underneath the bridge I won't even have a van to live under the bridge in. <laughs> um, so knowing that risk and that risk will change over time. Um, but how much can you put into something safe? And I love the, the certain amount is safe. So I can now take a different percentage and I can invest that and hope to get a good return 
um, without being foolish. But um, that balance, um, you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket. I like that. And we hear of all of the bad advice, right? People who have gotten burned and things like that. But do you guys have any stories of like good choices that you made that way that actually have benefited you and things you, how did you come about that? Go ahead, Ian, and I'll jump in. Um, well, I'll say the first one is real estate is always a good investment. Um, and, you know, it's been good for me just in our own house that we were able to, to be in that house for 20 years and then um, sell that in California and move to Utah has been a great investment for us um, and allowed us to do a lot more. Um, I'm going to actually talk about a friend of mine and, and his story with that. Um, he was living in San Francisco and they had a, an apartment complex and they turned them into condos. And he was given an option to buy the condo if he wanted um, or they could move out. Um, so he and his wife scraped together everything they could and they ended up buying five condos in that building. Um, and he said, you know, for the next two years, we ate nothing but ramen noodles and chicken noodle soup because that was all we could afford. But 10 years later, he was saying the, the highest mortgage he paid, and, and I forget the exact numbers, so I'm going to make something up. <laughs> um, his highest rent he paid was like $1,500 a month. Um, and now 15 years later, the lowest rent that he's receiving from those was like $3,000 or $3,500 a month. Um, so huge sacrifice when he did it. Um, but he knew that there was potential there. Um, and ended up really making enough where he didn't even have to work, um, which is good because he got fired two months after I got a job there. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's going to take sacrifice to make money, to save money. Um, but if you look at the ones you know are good, um, look at the investments that have a history of, of doing well, um, and when I say that, I want to throw out one other quick idea and hope this doesn't detour uh, too much. But uh, in investment, have you guys heard of the rowboat syndrome? Um, so the rowboat syndrome, if you're sitting in a rowboat, imagine that. Um, what direction are you facing? You actually face backwards <laughs> when you're rowing. Um, so the robot syndrome means you're looking at something and you just say, wow, look at Microsoft stock. That is just taking off. It's at its all time high. I should buy some. And then you say, oh, look at Cisco. They just dropped their, their lowest price ever. I better sell it. Um, that's called the buy high, sell low strategy. And that's how you get a small fortune out of a big fortune. We want to get a big fortune out of a small fortune. Um, if you're continually looking backward at only past performance and you're making decisions saying, oh, this is now at its highest point and you're buying it, that's the bad time to buy it. Um, if you see something dropping in price, then you need to turn on and look forward and say, are they going to rebound? Are they, are they still strong enough? Is that a good time to buy them? Um, then you should do that. Um, Years ago, I looked at that situation um, and I'm not promoting a certain any specific stock, 
but I grew up in Corning, New York, and Corning Glass is a big company there, and their stock tanked. Um, they went from like twenty or thirty dollars a share down to a dollar. And I said, you know what? That's a strong company. They invented fiber optics. They're scientific and technology is very strong. They've got the patents. They're going to rebound. So I bought the stock when it was down at a dollar, even though they had just tanked, um, went up to $2 and I sold it and went to a dollar and I bought it, went to $2 and I sold it. And I did that for a while <laughs> um, and made a, a fairly good um, amount on that. Then it went to, I sold it $2 and it went to $4 and I didn't buy it again. And few years later, it was back up to $30 and I wish I had kept it. That would have been a smarter thing. <laughs> but um, to answer Lauren's question, I kind of went off on a tangent there. But um, listen to the people around you. Pay attention to what they're saying to the experts in what they're doing. Um, look at past performance that things have done, um, but don't get caught up in the trend. Everyone is buying Bitcoin, so I better buy it because you're liable to be buying it at the high point and it's only going to go down if it doesn't have a solid structure underneath it. So make sure the wall is solid before you put money in it um, and look at where it is on that up and down curves that it goes through to know when to buy. I love that. Yeah, I'll add something too. And it's just, you know, positive examples. Um, I, I read a quote a while back and I didn't understand it. And and I think, think times have changed dramatically since this quote was said, but I believe it was Warren Buffett. Somebody asked if you were down to your last dollar, what would you, uh, what would you invest in? And he said media. And, you know, I started thinking about that and I was like, what? media, why? Like, when I think of media, I think of you either listen to the conservative radio or you listen to the liberal radio. And without getting into that, you know, I was like, why would I, why would I invest in media? But I started thinking about promotion. And then I started thinking about, you know, what, it, what it takes to market and how to get your, your product to the masses or in front of as many eyes as possible, creating awareness. And it started to click like, wait a second. <clears throat> For me, what the media is, is, is myself. Like, why wouldn't I invest in myself? And so nine out of 10 times, I will always recommend, despite the advice of financial advisors and which is safe and safest. Uh, and you got to know yourself too. If you know you're a gambler, <laughs> don't invest in yourself until you get help. But if you're not, and you're someone who's capable, which nine out of 10 people are definitely responsible, capable, and it's possible for them to achieve anything. Uh, should invest in themselves. And so whether that is a proper calculated education, coaching, consulting, something that's going to help them, that's going to get them over whatever hump they're experiencing, nine out of 10 times, I would advise people to invest in themselves. That's going to always be your best bet, which obviously you guys know, I'm the personal development coach here. Uh, of course, I'm going to say that. But the same time too is if you're in a place where you're willing to follow through on what you say you're going to do, then then why not commit to yourself to that millionaire journey and then follow the the the, the calculated as well as the the laid out platform and path for those who have done it and have helped other people do it as well. I think that's an important piece to remember. And again, this is where you could get caught up in. Uh, um, 
um, too much advice regarding get rich quick, but you can also get calculated great advice from the right people. You know, whether it's the, you know, uh, um, an advisor, a coach, a mentor, somebody who's done it and somebody who's willing to walk you through the steps and someone that you trust. But yeah, that's something I wanted to share. And I've always invested in myself first and I've always come out with positive outcomes, whether it took five days, five months or five years. It really does create a good outcome for me because I can trust in myself to do what I say I'm going to do when I commit. And um, that's just something you got to evaluate for yourself. If you're not one of those people who can trust themselves, then go trust somebody else who has done it and has done it repeatedly and is a viable source for for somebody else's freedom as well. Um, and just just an open thought and positive response. Yeah. I like that. And of course, oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Lauren. I was just going to say, I love that advice, but I also feel kind of called out. I, me in the nickel arcade way too much. I gamble away too, way too much. <laughs> so I'm like, it's a nickel, keep going. But, but that's calculated risk, right? Like that's, uh, of course the nickel cade is a good fun example, right? right. But that's you, that, that's a kid in a candy store. You cannot control yourself. So just make sure you don't show up to the nickel cade with your savings account open and accessible. Right. But uh, if yeah. it's uh, if it's, you know, 30 bucks that you can lose, awesome like that's a that's a great experience so i, I love that right. but you're, you're absolutely right it's like never go to the supermarket when you're hungry so um i want to bring up something john said yes invest in yourself find people to trust um when you talk about the media it made me think of a couple of things um one is the media also drives so much of what we have in life um, so many of our purchases, our decisions are driven by the media. We're influenced it whether we believe we are or not. Um, and I look at the media now and I've, you know, of course, nowadays, not like the old days, the things they do now, you know, my crotchety old man voice. <laughs> but um, I was, was looking at it and a few years ago in San Francisco, they were talking about, I guess, the 2008, they were talking about the housing. And for a couple of years, I'm reading news articles saying, you know, houses have gotten so expensive. How long can they last? How long can we keep these prices up? For two years, I'm seeing this every week in the headlines. Then we had the housing crash and the headlines said, no one saw this coming. How do we know? Why didn't we know this was going to happen? I mean, for two years, you've been telling me we're in a bubble and now it pops and you say, how can we believe it happened? Um, same thing I'm seeing now with the current housing one. Um, the media has driven a lot of this conversation and said, wow, look how high it is. And then interest rates happened, market changed some. And suddenly all the headlines are, we're in a crash. And it kind of makes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And instead of, again, these waves up and down that always happen, it's going boom. It's up or it's down. And, um, you know, the news reports the news, the new things that have happened. And rather than a wave, they're trying to make it a single incident. Yesterday, the market was great. Today, it's terrible. Um, and unfortunately, that has caused it to become true. Um, so when you're looking at these and looking for safe investments, um, yes, you need to follow the media. You need to read the articles and things. They also need to realize that sometimes they're creating the event that they're trying to discuss. 
um, by the very nature of them saying it. So be wary of those kind of things. Um, cause you know, I, again, I'm jumping back, but I, I was listening to the radio one time and there was, um, one of the heads of a news group on there and he was asked, is the news slanted? Is it liberal slanted? Is it conservative slanted? And his answer was, um, the news is conflict slanted. It is prejudice to create conflict in people's minds because when they are scared of something in the news, they will listen to it more, which means they can charge more for advertising. And the purpose of the media, the purpose of a newspaper is to make money for the owners. The purpose of a radio station is to make money for its owners, not saying they're not honest or anything else, but they will put out the news that scares people. So they will want to listen to it. Um, so that's my side of the media. Um, but I'm, I'm going to, since I have the microphone, I'm going to pivot just a little bit again. Um, we want to trust in the strength and safety. That's never more important than when we get to retirement. Um, and at that point, when we no longer have an income, we no longer have the army to defend us against the, incoming army, we have to rely on the walls to protect us. Um, so as we get to our retirement, there's a lot of things that we need to pay attention to that are different from when we're in our earning years. Um, remember the, the rules of gold, or the laws of gold, um, you have money coming in, therefore you can make investments. When you retire, you no longer have money coming in. So how do you survive in retirement if you don't have money coming in? Any answers out there yet? <laughs> um, I'm going to say the first one is invest in things that are going to give you a return. Invest in the safe stocks. Um, if you have stocks that provide a dividend, that's a great way to do it. Um, real estate that can provide an income from rental. Great ways to do it. <clears throat> and John has an idea. Uh, well, yeah, I've got lots of ideas and, and, and not to derail or to take us off track, but um, I'll share a few ideas, but then I want to ask a, I want to ask a probing question that, that I think is important for people to understand because I think people have this idea of what retirement is. And, and then when they finally get there, they're like, wow, this is, not what I expected. And there's a lot to adjust. So I want to talk about that too, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, as far as like ideas, I 100% agree with you. If you have invested um, in assets that produce income, meaning you're able to live off of either the return that it gets uh, through, through uh, cash payment, um, cash flow, uh, or on interest, that's a, that's a great place to be. Um, which, which, you know, entails that you need to know what you need to live off of. Uh, if you're someone who can live off of, you know, less than 5k a month, then that's essentially what you got to um, understand. Real estate's important because it's, it's, it's a money generator. But one of the things I was going to suggest is, you know, ha have your money and your assets in things that, that don't need your assistance, but allow you to, reap the benefit of. For example, if you build a business, you can retire from that business. You can sell that business. You can, um, 
you know, step away and hire someone else and just be on an executive board or something like that, where you get to oversee something, but, you know, in position yourself in a place where you can still earn an income without relying on government, social security, and a bunch of other things too. get yourself in a safe place where, where there's something flowing in and that you've trusted people to take advantage of. Now that doesn't, that doesn't, relate to you know most people because most people will work a job for a company for many years and then you know that's the company that they'll retire from they'll either walk away with investments pensions or whatever that other stuff is that millennials will never have access to uh winky face um essentially you finding finding yourself in a place where you can still have projects and things that drive drive some sort of a cash flow um that doesn't stress you out and so, um, yeah, those are some of my ideas. I will get back to my question in a little bit, but I think this is fun to, to share some ideas too that are calculated. Yeah. Um, I was just talking to a friend who uh, specializes in reverse mortgages. So he deals with seniors and retirement. Um, and that's another thing I recommend people look into, um, may or may not be for everyone. But um, first of all, his comments, um, and I haven't fact checked him, so don't put it in the comments or yell at me for that. Um, but he said that about 40% of retirees return to the workforce. And the average time that they return is about four years after retirement. And what that means is they didn't go back because they suddenly found themselves bored or wanted more something to do in their life. They went back because they needed the money. Um, so not to pick on Walmart, but the greeter at Walmart is probably not there because they really love saying hi and waving to people. Um, they're there because they need that money. Um, and in planning, I've, I've kind of jumped back in that. Um, you have certain things, you know, we usually don't have a, a pension anymore, but most of us have a 401k or an IRA that we've invested in. That can be a fairly stable thing. Um, there's things like annuities that can be a stable one. Um, so you can figure out how much you're going to get. Social security, we probably will still get, even though we worry about it. Um, I've gone through for mine and figured out what are my guaranteed incomes I'm going to have? What are my expected incomes from investments that I can have? And how much more do I need to figure out how to get at some point? Um, so there are some guarantees that we can look at um, as we go through. And I'm going to forgive him as I'm jumping around because I get excited about this. Um, the other thing we need to look at is what are our expenses going to be? How much is it going to cost us to maintain that wall? Um, my biggest advice I give to everyone for retirement is if you can avoid having a rent or mortgage payment in retirement, that's the most important thing. Um, more so than savings or anything else is to not have that expense. Um, because there may, there's always ways to build more income if you need to. Um, but if you can't reduce that expense, um, and taxes are a big one as well. People don't realize that taxes go up in retirement. Um, cause what are your three biggest tax breaks? Your mortgage payment in retirement, you probably don't have a mortgage anymore or it's much lower. Um, children who are now grown and no longer a tax credit for you and charitable contributions. 
um, which are big when you're earning money, but when you retire, those tend to be done in service as opposed to in money. So people don't realize their tax bracket actually goes up in retirement, um, which is a scary thing. So I just wanted to throw those out for you. Yeah, I definitely want to throw in there. This is a great transition for this conversation because when you're planning for retirement, not only are you planning financially, but you you're planning on an emotional end, right? And I think it's a I think it's a fair question to ask everybody in this room. Just uh, you know, shooting from the hip here, just spontaneous reaction. What uh, what what do you think retirement looks like for you? Like like when you hear the word retirement, what do you think of? And I'll start. Because I will admit, I think my retirement plan is unusual and different. And, you know, this is what I was told growing up. But for me, retirement means no longer working. And I think that's farthest from the truth. But that's what I think. Uh, retirement also means travel, right? They, 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 pitch, they pitch retirement as this Oh, you'll be sipping, you know, pina coladas on the beach in the Bahamas where you'll spend half the year and then the rest of the year you're you're around visiting and 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 um seeing your children and grandchildren and stuff like that. That's sort of what I thought in my personal image of retirement is me, you know, half of the year in nothing but sandals and a bathing suit. And uh, the other half of the year, hanging out with family and traveling and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cover your eyes. You don't want to see that. And and what's fascinating about that is, you know, the more I think about it, I, I, I don't know if that's what I want. You know, most of the people I look up to and the people that I have spent time around and the millionaires and billionaires that I've met, each one of them have, have uh, not not stopped. They have stuff they're working on, stuff they're doing, projects they're involved in, things that keep them busy. They just retired from a job that that they contributed to and committed to for years on end. And then they're now in a place where they're ready to move to the next next thing. And so there's a great podcast and a TV uh, a radio show called The Ken Coleman Show. And I love Ken Coleman. He's just a really great um, Christian leader in the community, but he he talks about like, you know, what, what it is that you plan to do. Um, what is your encore career, meaning their career after your career? What's something that you want to do and keep you busy? And that's just something that I like to propose as a question to people to kind of provoke thought about what is next? What really is your ideal thought of retirement? Because if it is sipping pina coladas on the beach for half the year, living in the Bahamas and then traveling, just what, just what Ian was sharing You've got to plan for that. You've got to know what are my expenses? How many pina coladas can I drink in a day or should I drink in a day in order to make that worth it? Uh, what do I need to be able to do to live, to travel, to stay with family, to to live in a place where you know my expenses are minimal and still have income coming in? I think that's just an important question and an evaluation. Um, but truthfully, if I were to answer my own question, um, it's to sit on a bunch of boards you know, go travel the world with my spouse and also, um, you know, continually be involved in the projects that I left on the earth um, and, and and continue to inspire people is probably, probably what I'm going to end up doing. But with a less focus on having to be at a desk at 9 a.m. every morning to fulfill a particular call or assignment or something like that. 
be in a position of 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 um, mentorship and leadership is what I would hope for for myself. Um, but I'm curious what you guys think. Oh, what's up, Ty? And uh, uh, and I'm curious for you guys, like, what is your ideal image of what retirement looks like, and how do you think you need to plan and prepare for that? Well, I'm going to start with uh, maybe not the ideal image, but a bumper sticker I saw a while ago, which I think is the truth of retirement. It said, "Retirement, twice the husband, half the paycheck." <laughs> um, and I think that's what uh, quite often it turns out to be. Um, Statistically, people spend twice the amount of the, the first 10 years of retirement. They spend twice what they do later years in retirement because they're doing things in those times. Um, one of my goals is a six month vacation twice a year. So if you do the math on that one. <laughs> my goal um, is that right now we're creating the life that we want and live. So kind of like what John is saying, like my life's not going to be too different after I retire. It's going to be less focus of having to be like in meetings, things like that. But really just to be able to have my focus on enjoying life rather than producing the income needed to enjoy life, because that's what we're working on now. Let me jump back with that too. Um, something you guys have both said that's really important. And we mentioned this at the beginning. Um, having money is not about having money or being rich. Having money is about being able to make choices and being able to choose what we do. Um, we may choose to do exactly the same thing we're doing right, sorry, right now for our, for our life, our livelihood but it becomes a choice to do that as opposed to being forced to do it. And I'm going to give a quick parable here and uh, forgive me if I gave this one in an earlier podcast. I use this a lot. <laughs> um, there was a wall street exec who went down to Mexico on vacation and he noticed this young fisherman going out every morning for about three or four hours in the morning fishing, coming back with half of a boat full of fish and then going out the rest of the day and playing. So after a while, he went down and he talked to this fisherman and he said, uh, you know, I see you out here every morning. So what is your day like? He goes, well, I like to go out early in the morning and I fish for three or four hours. Then I come in and I, I sell my fish and then I go have a siesta with my wife. Then I pick up my kids from school and I help them with their homework. And then we have dinner and then I go out dancing with my wife in the evening. And the exec says, well, you know, if you went out for the full day fishing, you'd get so many more fish. And then you could sell those and pretty soon you could buy a second boat and hire someone to work that one. And within a few years, you could have several boats doing this. Then you could start uh, to buy your own distribution trucks and ship them as well. And eventually, you know, in 20 years, you could buy a cannery and you could have the whole distribution system set up, you know, and then you'd have all the money you need and retire. And the man says, well, you know, what would I do when I retire? He says, well, whatever you want, you can go out fishing in the morning for a couple of hours and then have a siesta with your wife and then play with your kids after school. And then in the evening you could have dinner and go out dancing with your wife. <laughs> um, so why am I going to go through 20 years of toiling and working hard to achieve what I can already do right now? Um, so when we look at, at finances, um, how much do we need 
to have the lifestyle we want. Um, my apologies. <laughs> um, so, you know, and that's something we need to, to budget and figure out. Later on, do we want to work and have to earn money? Do we want to be able to work and just do the whole thing for charity and be on a board of a, a nonprofit and not earn anything but get a better quality of life for ourselves? You know, what's that goal that we have? Um, you know, for me, hopefully I can take a lot of vacations and do a little consulting here and there and maybe write one of the six books that I have in mind eventually. <laughs> I, I love what you said, Ian, and um, <clears throat> total surprise here, but I, I think that that last statement deserves something that we all like to call a truth bomb. I just thought I would do that. I don't know why. I thought it was fun. But you're so you bring up so many great thoughts. And I think it's so wise just to take that counsel right then and there to to live a life according to your goals and dreams. You know, we talk at Champion Circle all the time about, you know, working now and getting things in advance uh, by, by planning out your desire statements, your 90 day sprint goals and working towards things. And the reason why we sprint is so that we can you know, enjoy later. Um, you know, if you run the marathon, which in many contexts is a good positive thing, but if you run the marathon, your recovery is going to be a lot longer um, than if you run the sprint, your sprint is going to be a lot less damage, a lot, less recovery and it's going to allow you to bounce back and do more. And I, I think that this just concept of understanding, getting clarity around retirement will help you lead into knowing exactly what you want to do. When it comes to goals, we talk about reverse engineering your goals, thinking about the outcome and what it takes to be, let's just say a millionaire and then working that backwards. And, you know, your definition of millionaire needs to be absolutely defined is that you make a million dollars a year or is that you have a million dollars in assets? Because I think the, the latter is a true definition of a millionaire, but some people's interpretation of millionaire is that they make millions of dollars every year. And so that, that perspective needs to be defined for you. What is safe? What is retirement? What is ideal? What is it that you're continuing to do? And what makes you happy? What are you looking forward to? Because I'm, I'm living with an individual right now who we're taking care of, who is interested in retirement really, really soon. And they're still like, you know, they've worked for 45 plus years of their life for a company and they've dedicated so much to building up the savings <clears throat> and they still have zero clue what they want to do for retirement. They still have no idea what they're working towards and they're excited, but they're also nervous about the ambiguity. And that's, that's an interesting place to be in. So I love what you said. It was an absolute truth bomb. First one on the show. Uh, I'll shorten it. So it's not 12 seconds. <laughs> and uh, I just thought it was, I just thought it was really cool what you said. Yeah. Um, I want to build on what you said there too. Uh, planning ahead, um, setting goals, not just for your work, but for retirement and really taking time. If there's anything we take away from this whole series is um, we need to sit down and look at where we are and where we want to be and really plan it out. Um, I have a cousin who retired and um, looked at his finances and said, 
I can move to Paraguay or Uruguay. I guess the two mixed up. Um, live so much cheaper. He sent pictures when he moved down there. Beautiful house on the beach. Loved it. It was great. It was this paradise for his retirement for about two years. Then he realized all of his kids and grandkids are here in the States. And he's half a world away in another hemisphere. Um, and suddenly that beautiful paradise that he had always imagined and worked for and wanted wasn't really that good because the most important things to him were his kids and grandkids. Um, and he moved back to the States and, and made things work out here. So be careful in your planning. It's, it's one thing to dream and we all want to dream. And maybe a dream is the start to planning and the start to, to setting goals. But think about what it's really going to be. Um, yes, you can live in Mexico cheaper. There's wonderful communities of expats who are down there that are safe and protected and have all the amenities, but our families aren't there. Some people that might be the right choice. Other people, it's not. So take time to plan. That's the biggest thing. I know that's boring. That's not an exciting truth bomb thing. <laughs> Um, who would have thought when you're talking about finances, we'd say you need to plan. <laughs> um, but you do. Um, those sprints ahead of time are going to help. But in the end, you're going to have a marathon that you're going to have to keep running, whether you plan for it or not. Once you start retirements, you can't stop running. And that's your expenses for the analogy. Um, so do the sprints to build it up, to plan it, to to prepare yourself, but plan for the future and really think about what you need. Couldn't hit the mute button, oh. unmute button fast oh. enough. <laughs> uh, absolutely incredible. I love this conversation. And I feel like I personally have learned a lot just from the discussions and examples and ideas that everyone has shared. Um, I'm, I'm also grateful for the, the parables, the lessons and so forth from this book, uh, The Richest Man in Babylon. Um, let, let, let's take just like a quick minute here as we sort of wrap up our conversation. And, you know, let's 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 each share what we what we personally have taken away um, just over uh, oversight or overview of the book, um, The Richest Man in Babylon. Just something you take away and something you plan on doing as a result of what you've read and what you've learned from these discussions. And then we can talk quickly about um, our next book and what we're going to be doing. But um, I'll start us off by just saying I, I loved reading and rereading. I, I read this about five years ago, The Richest Man in Babylon. And honestly, I, I wish that kids in high school would read this book. Um, I wish that they'd start them really young because this is a this is a principled book of examples and the stories are pretty fun and and relatable and i think that even though it, it it's it's based in ancient babylon it's such a powerful principle to to modern day wealth and i can tell you guys from personal experience from what i've learned from what ian shared and what lauren has shared and other guests on the show is that simplistic approach and, and, um, you know, coordinated, uh, one of my areas of discussion because how important it is to be 
in, in, in involved and invested in the right things. So I, uh, I know that the internet here is, is uh, um, cutting out a little bit, but continue on the recording side to just say that I am grateful for the conversations and the information to me through this book. And I highly recommend it as a read one of those annual reads or the goal of reading it once a year, because you'll, you'll gain a lot more information and insight. And uh, as you check out a lot of our, I, I know that the internet cut out a little bit guys, but on the recording side, it's good. Um, essentially if, if you read this book at least once a year, you'll be reminded of the important principles of financial um, literacy um, as well as financial um, understanding. And I recommend it. I recommend this book to everybody and hope that you enjoyed your read and our discussions. And uh, that's just my thought about this. Um, what would you guys say that you learned from this book and what are your key takeaways? I've loved bringing back the basics. You know, we sometimes I think over, over stress it. Like we, we get in too much over our heads and thinking about it. And really it is simple. And this book just kind of lays out the financial laws and principles. And so it's, it's nice to have it compiled in one spot that can just remind us like, chill out. It's easier than you think and just keep going. I like that. We do tend to overcomplicate things. Um, and, you know, for me, this book um, just has a couple of points that really stand out. Um, one of the, the biggest is over and over, there's examples of people who lost all their money foolishly um, and then were able to work and regain that and still come out ahead in the end, um, which teaches me two lessons. One, that if I make mistakes, there's still hope. I shouldn't give up. And two... I don't have to make the mistake because I can learn about it by somebody else making the mistake in the book. Um, so hopefully I won't do the same thing myself. Um, so I think that's the, the first one. And the second one is, again, it's simple. There's some simple rules. And if you follow those simple rules and those concepts, um, put aside 10% to save and then to invest wisely. And in time, you will have money. There'll be ups and downs. Um, but in the end, you're going to get there. And at this point, I'm just hoping when I retire, it's there up until then, I don't care. <laughs> That's my only concern is I have enough at that point. So if I sacrifice now, <clears throat> I can play more later. That's awesome. Well, thank you guys for your conversations and thank you, Ian, for leading all of these in this book. I'm really excited about what we've learned and what we've gained. As listeners, we invite you to send us feedback, share questions, ideas, comments, what you learned and uh, what you thought about the book, The Richest Man in Babylon. And shout out to Richard S. Clayson. Um, what an incredible read and a classic of classics. Um, we highly recommend it. And George. <laughs> I said George. Richard, didn't I? <laughs> George, uh, it's right in front of me, isn't it? I keep saying Richard for some reason. Uh, the man, George S. Clayson. Um, shout out to you, my friend. Uh, if you're listening to this, <laughs> um, I met George the whole time. And uh, anyways, guys, I, I love this, these conversations and just how much we can grow from them. And uh, I'm looking forward to our next topic of discussion. So if you're following
the long haul, we are going to be talking about a book called The Speed of Trust. And uh, I believe I said that correctly. Let me triple check my work. And it is a book that is recommended by many, um, but it's a, uh, a, a book written by Stephen R. Covey, I believe. And uh, we're excited to jump into that. Um, if you guys are looking online or if you're looking to grab a copy, it's a big, bright yellow book by Stephen M. R. Covey. And uh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Covey. Stephen? Oh. It's the son of the famous Stephen Covey. It's the son of the famous Stephen R. Covey. So I wonder what the M stands for. Stephen, Stephen Miltred Raputin Covey. There we go. That's definitely it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, but looking forward to reading that. And again, we're, we're always expanding our knowledge and information about topics that are going to help us grow. So we invite you to participate. If you'd like to be on the show, you'd like to come into these conversations. Obviously, there's a vetting process to that, but we'd love to have you. So send us an email to info or sorry, send an, send an email to team at mychampioncircle.com. That's the best place to do that. Uh, let me find it here if I have it. Otherwise, um, you can also send an email to us, team at mychampioncircle.com. If you'd like to get more involved, if you'd like to learn more about what we do, our organization, or if you just want to learn more about Champion Circle and see what we're up to, uh, you can go to mychampioncircle.com where you can learn about all of our products, all of our services, all of our upcoming activities. You can check us out on social media and so, so much more. Um, and with that saying, with that being said, guys, any other last words before we sign out and uh, prepare for next year? Next year. <laughs> Thank you. It's been fun. Awesome. It has been fun. All right, guys. Well, we'll catch you next time. Looking forward to the replay and all of your feedback. We look forward to hearing from you. Appreciate you. And next time you'll hear from us on a new book, a new topic of discussion and awesomeness. All right, guys. We'll see you later. 